Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm Beard Al Yankovic, uh, and I'm wow. here with Lance Psycho. Uh, one of our co-workers gave me that nickname. Uh, if you watch on YouTube, if you ha- if you only listen, maybe go to YouTube and you see. I- I've grown a little bit of a, of a beard. It is, it is, uh, is regal. There we go. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, how, that's how wonderful it is, yeah. Um, speaking of beards and stuff that has nothing to do with it, Revit. <laughs> Tell us about it. Uh, what what I enjoy is when firm owners or heads of firms um, say, I'm finally going to get my staff or our whole team to transition over, or we all need to get on the same page because everyone has different ways of modeling, um, different nuances. And honestly, all of those things compound because if you're doing something different and I'm doing something different, what normally happens if we ever have to work together is that we kind of have to decide one way or another and it's a little bit messy and the project has to get done so we just do it that way and it's and that's fine and we think oh, okay that's efficient you know like we've got it done for that project well the same thing's going to happen for the next project and the next project and the next project you're not going to be on the same plane you're not going to be modeling the same way you're going to be less efficient because people have to transition into different ways of thinking so when firm owners, and it's normally smaller firms, uh, literally one to about nine contact me, it, 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 it honestly works out well for them to get their team on RevitRocketShip.com and get everyone thinking the same way. If you have had this thought, go check it out. Look at it. 30-day uh, 30 30 money-back guaranteed, so there's no risk for you to try it. Um, if you're putting multiple people on it, contact me. You'll see my contact there it's also akg at f9productions.com and you can get multiple seats um at at, at a discount that's all i got wow fantastic al yeah take a look at that um we're telling you it works the professionals are saying it works and what else works is arcat as more businesses and tenants demand green design in their buildings lead certification is more important than ever and while arcat is known for being red they can help you go green Arcat provides thousands of lead reports from building product manufacturers on how their products can help make help you make the green choice that's right for your project. Head over to arcat.com and find the information you need for lead. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. Check those guys out. This episode is also brought to you by Pella Luxury. As you can see, Al Gore, if you watch, and I are sporting the Pella Luxury Division polos here, or uh, sweatshirts rather. You have never experienced a brand like this before. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them, so expel, explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. Please Take a look at the that, that website. You will find some awesome, phenomenal products. We can't recommend them enough. That's PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm. Back to you, Mr. Beard. Um, 
So how to avoid burnout? It is a real thing in our industry. It is a tough thing. There's a lot of pressures coming in from everywhere, from clients, from the city, from um, supply, material suppliers, material suppliers, but also the different professionals that you are juggling and dealing with. You are dealing with mechanical, electrical, plumbing, civil, landscape, uh, a husband and wife. This is just a, you know, in a house scenario, plus the uh, fire review, city review, permitting uh, on the planning level, building codes. Holy cow, can wow. it get exhausting. I'm already burnt out. And it that's just one project. How about multiple projects? Yeah. And then you got coworkers and your boss to deal with too. Yeah. So a lot of stuff to deal with. So what are some strategies or steps that you can take? Yeah, I think this is super important. So um, I've definitely hit points of feeling burnt out. I know Al has to. I know uh, some of uh, employees and colleagues and, and just people that we work with, you know, have expressed that in different ways. So I think this is important for everybody to to think about. And I think we have like three steps that, that have worked for me and Al. Yep. And that, that's why we're sharing it, right? You're, you're coming inside the firm. And I think number one is learn how to stop thinking about work at 3 a.m. And uh, believe it or not, there was an article about it. Um, that I thought was really cool and that I'm going to bring up here um, that's worth reading. And and the part of it that's worth reading for me is, uh, I think, the part on meditation. And what's critical about that is, like, <clears throat> um, if you meditate, um, that's one of the things that it teaches you is how you can stop, how basically you address things during your meditation and then what that means for your, your life and how that can translate. So I'm just waiting for my uh, little microphone yep. to, and, li- to and light up here. It says 3 a.m. I think that's, you know, a, a clicky title. Really, it should be like when work stops, 5, 6 p.m. How do you stop having it mess with your brain? Yeah, yeah. So I've got uh, an article pulled up here if you're if you're watching on the YouTube. And it's called How to, how to Stop Thinking About Work at 3 a.m., right? So they're just using that number or whatever. Um, but the part I wanted to talk about, which I th- I think this is the way to, this is like a very tangible way for you to wrap your arms around this problem. And everybody who is an architect or designer or a builder, I think also has this problem. Because like one of the builders that I worked with, um, the very first builder that I worked with, he would say like, yeah, I built this in my sleep last night. And at first I thought that was cool. But now, now that I am a builder and an architect and all these other things, I'm like, that sounds terrible. Like, don't you want your sleep? Especially Al, he wants to sleep because these babies keep keeping him up. So the article is How to Stop Thinking at, at, uh, About Work at 3 a.m. by Harvard Business Review. So pretty pretty credible source here. And uh, skip down to the paragraph. Practice meditation. So similar to self-compassion. Mindfulness and the practice of being fully present and focusing your attention on thoughts and feelings and bodily sensations without judgment, it, it is also an antidote to the rumination that can keep you up at night. Being fully present in the moment, you are not rehearsing past events or worrying about future events. There's ample research on the positive effects of meditation on anxiety and stress. Further, researchers in the Netherlands found that even small amounts of mindful meditation 10 minutes before... And after work for two weeks, helped calm racing minds, improve sleep quality and sleep duration. I love it. There's two I want to touch on. Okay. Because there's multiple in the list, list and we don't have to go through all of them. Yeah. On this same article? Yep. Oh, okay. One is to make a to-do list. And I think that there's a good way to make a to-do list and a bad way to make a to-do list. And it makes a huge difference for me. 
But first, let me read what they said. Yep. There's always more work to be done. Research by Baylor and Emory University shows that making a to-do list for the following day before bed helps you fall asleep faster um, by as much as a sleep aid, as well as helps you wake up fewer times during the night. Unfinished tasks slight cycling through your heads, through your mind, stay um, make you stay at a heightened level of cognitive activation. So here's the different to-do list. Lance isn't one. I am. What I used to do, which would overwhelm me, is I would literally have a long to-do list. And Monday, it would basically ruin weekends too. Because Monday, oh, it's God. like, think about this huge to, to-do list. And it wasn't until about a year ago that I said, I'm obviously not going to get this all done Monday. It's n- has never happened in my life. It's not going to happen. So now I have a little spreadsheet that has you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And on Friday, before the weekend... I take the remaining tasks that I know I need to do and I split them into different days. <clears throat> so I know that like, hey, that thing on th- Thursday, I don't have to think about on Monday. I don't have to think about trying to get there. And yeah. that has really helped. It's, Good. Yep. The other one I want to uh, do, uh, I, I won't read it unless you want to read through it. No, but go ahead. It's engage in physical activity. Yeah. There is, That's a big one for me. Yep. Yep. And And where I noticed it, you know, sometimes you don't notice something until you take it to the extreme. Sure. Um, sometimes when I go on vacation, you know, it'd be day three, day four. And like when I'm on vacation, so like, why am I feeling like pent up? Why am I feeling like, you know, not aggression, but just like pent up and anxious. And then one of the vacations at day three, I took a run. I was like, oh, that's what I need to do. Huh. If, if I don't do something every three yeah. days. You know, and then by that extreme, then I realize, okay, this does help, you know. Um, And there was a stressful time with um, after this development where like crazy dealing with lawyers and stuff like that. And like, I honestly didn't like the way I felt in the morning. And then I'd go do jujitsu. And then after that, it's like, I'm just a puddle of mud. Like, all right, let's just do work and get, you know. Yeah. There's something about releasing those, uh, those endorphins in that way. Um, So good stuff. So uh, the other thing was um, to go back to kind of our show. Where am I at here? Okay. Uh, find an outlet. The number step two. So that's step one, right? Step one. Step one is like finding ways how to stop thinking about stuff at night. You, you, you need to be able to shut your brain off five, six when you're done working and recharge. You, you got to do it. Uh, step two, find an outlet for the negative and turn it into a positive and this is something al i think is uh this is more or less his his this was one of his best tips that we talked about over the week yep in whatever industry you do but let's just say architecture or building there's a lot of hard lessons a lot of things that frustrate you um that are difficult to deal with uh how i sort of make that into an a positive turn that into an outlet is let's say construction let's just say framing Holy cow, oh, this was difficult. There's all these lessons learned. There's all these problems in, in uh, the industry of, you know, knowledge leaving the industry, not finding enough people, blah, 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 everything that you're dealing with. I will literally take those things and I need step three that Lance will go over later, yeah. but then I will funnel them through of like, oh, what if we did SIP panels next time? Like, how would that work? Or, um, hey, the, the city zoning is such an I- issue and there's all these problems with that. That's, that's one thought, right? 
Another thought is, hey, we're in a housing crisis. We talk about it all the other time. Two, we're learning about uh, CLTs and cross-laminated timbers and, and SIP panels. What if we did a fun project in our community of an unused piece of land that I know in a new mid-rise form using this knowledge and all these pain points to make something super cool? Who knows if it's ever going to come from? It, it aligns with us like, hey, if we made that news, we knew how to reach out to. We know it could go places. Yeah. You know, we could do renderings and stuff like that. But I literally, what Lance was alluding to is like taking these negatives, taking all these hard yeah. lessons, and how can you turn it into something positive? Whether they, some, let's say out of those two I ideas. I would say it's manifesting the negativity into a positive form of action. So then you don't have to, all of a sudden it's exactly what you want. Yes. Yep. Yep. And not all of them will manifest. Sure. But maybe over time, both of those will manifest. Yep. Who knows? Uh, third step is this: uh, take a digit, take a serious digital break, and I mean no service. So uh, I actually posted in the Entree Architect community about this earlier this week because I wanted to see what everybody else's uh, methods were for avoiding burnout. And uh, some some people were funny, some people were serious, and uh, there was a lot of them that. Came, and what I said in what I said in my post was I said I every weekend I and it, this happens mostly in the summer. Actually, in the winter, too, when I ice fish, but like I go all the way up into the mountains Saturday, Sunday, and it's impossible for me to even look at my phone if I wanted to check Twitter, Facebook, emails, whatever, text my wife. Couldn't do it. There's no service. So like for me, it is such an addiction, that this, this little uh, iPhone here, that I have to actually physically take myself away from the possibility of even having any service and therefore de-digitize entirely. Some people might have better self-constraint than me. Um, so, but I still think that's part of the recommendation. So some people then commented in that thread and they were like, oh yeah, I garden, I shut my phone off. Um, I go for a long walk. I don't take my phone with me. But, uh, and I think it's gotta be like, you either you either need to do it for like a whole day and see what that does for you. And then if, if that feels good, try a whole weekend. Like I'm tr you'll start changing your life. It will just change your life. I couldn't agree more. Um, on a side note, like a separate, like step three point, Two, hey, give it, yeah, give it a try. Um, I was going to let everyone know, but I'll let you know here. Next week, I am taking a social media and news break. Nice. Any social media or news. And that means like, I was going to tell Lance and Nick. No like, more texting him. Don't text me that. <laughs> you, you just got to like tell me in person or type it out because I, I literally want no social media or no news for a week. And well, back, I can still tell you about it. I'm actually, you could, you could I, actually, I'm actually, I'm actually okay with completely helping you further abstain. And I won't, I just won't say anything for a week. It'll be fun. Yeah. My yeah. brother does this. It's like, uh, who else does this? Uh, Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin takes a 30 day. Remember no. this? Dave Rubin, uh, yeah. the Rubin report. He takes every summer or something like that. Him and his husband. Yep. They take a, they do a complete media blackout. And yeah. then what happens is he goes on Glenn Beck's show. And then they talk about it. <laughs> Do they like inform him? Like, yeah, this is what happens. He's like, wow. Yeah. And supposedly it's all real, but who knows yep. if he looks beforehand. Yep. The only thing, maybe you can make a final judgment on this. Maybe I'll let Lance decide. So, um, is the podcast Pat McAfee Sports Show considered news? Yes. I just said yes. Everybody else said yes too, right? They're Are you all, serious? I can hear the audience right now. You can't do anything. No Pat McAfee That's news. sports? Here's why. 
is because now um, sports has become politically driven. So, like, I can't see how you would avoid sports. Oh, these stooges don't talk about. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe you're okay. Yeah. Okay. It's still up in the air. It's still up in the air. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Switching gears a little bit. Uh, we talk about the economy, as you know, on this on this show, um, because as folks who have a pretty good grasp on uh, basic economics, Austrian economics, the Chicago school, that whole thing. Uh, we talk about the res- uh, impending recessions and pending booms and, and all of that. And as a business owner, like you need to be aware of it. Well, here we are. So I've got an article pulled up from Mark- Market Watch. It came out, uh, let's see here, four days ago. So Monday, we're recording this on April 8th, 2022. And it says the U.S. economy will fall into recession this summer as inflation eats into consumer spending, former Fed official warns. Um, so <clears throat> higher inflation will force customers to limit their spending by so much that the economy will slump into recession by the July-September quarter. Former federal governor Lawrence Lindsay said on Monday, I do think we're going to have a recession probably the next quarter. Uh, so that'd be quarter two, right? Yep, yep. Yes. Uh and, uh, inflation is no. eating into customer spending power. It might not be. It might be Q2. June, uh, June is the end of two. Okay. There you go. So it is Q3. Uh, inflation is eating into consumer spending. They're going to have to cut back, he said. The former Fed governor also said that the U.S. Central Bank was nowhere close on being able to control inflation. Think, I mean, like... Who could have guessed? <laughs> if you don't remember, we did podcast, we did a couple of shows and we made fun of the Fed because they kept on saying, and the media because they kept on saying transitory. We're like, there's no way this is transitory. Sure enough, here we are. Lindsay we quote ourselves? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lindsay said he was worried that inflation was poised to move higher and there could soon be monthly prints of the CPI above consumer, pr- what a... Uh, the monthly prints of the CPI above one percent. Consumer inflation hasn't risen one one percent for more, for or more for two straight months since the summer of nineteen eighty. That's going to push consumer purchasing power down by two two points on top of the two point five points. It already it has already declined since the beginning of twenty one. You can't have that much of a shock without having a recession. Agreed, uh, Lindsay who served as governor from 1991 to 1997, is chief executive with Lindsay Group, an economic advisory firm based in D.C. He is most famous for having been turned down a credit card uh, while he was on the Fed board. That's hilarious. Uh, uh, basically, yeah, he is most famous for this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Stephen, later on in the article, but Stephen Stanley, chief economist at Amherst Pierpoint, said the government's estimate is about as unfavorable as uh, a comparison as it could be devised, alternate measures show that inflation is taking much less of a bite out of spending, he said. In sum, while inflation is likely to be a drag on the consumer, it is unlikely to prevent households from continuing to spend at a solid clip this year. So he's contradicting it, right? Who, um, is this another guy? This is a different guy, yeah. Uh, but then back to Lindsay. Lindsay said the Fed eventually will have to increase its benchmark interest rate higher than the consumer price inflation a.k.a. CPI, now running at an 8% annual rate. And in order to get prices in check at the moment, the Fed's benchmark interest rate is in range of a quarter of a point to half a point. There has never been significant disinflation since the early 1950s without CPI being lower than the Fed funds rate. We're now, we are now nowhere close, nowhere close to being able to control inflation with what we have. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, we told you that was going to happen. So, uh, basically the reason why, and I'm actually going to do a special episode this weekend with my wife 
uh, tune in for that. We'll probably publish it Wednesday. The title of it's going to be how rising inflation inflation rates or sorry, how rising interest rates um, affect the housing market. And why that's so important is like the housing market is such a big part of our economy, right? I mean, Al and I and our firm, both firms, like it's all about the housing market. Yep. The the more expensive it is to to borrow money, the harder it is to borrow the money. And then since there will be a constriction on people being able to borrow money, the less money they'll spend. Since we're a consumer-based industry, our uh, consumer-based economy, you can see how we'd fall into a recession. Do you know how the second person can be right and wrong at the same time go ahead tell us so this is what this is why i think we live in like a 1984 world meaning double, double speak, speak yeah right so the definition of a recession is a period of temporary economic decline which during trade and industrial activities are reduced reduced generally identified by the fall in gdp what is gdp gross de- domestic product yep but how do they track most of this in spending in dollars right so I think that they can be kind of lying out of the side of the mouse, meaning, <laughs> hey, trade last year was uh, $1 trillion. This year, it's $1.2 trillion. See, it increased. Forge- it increased. Forgetting the amount of goods that came over were 100, 100 billion pounds of whatever. Now it's 800 billion pounds. To make it even more clear, you could say, hey, housing spending it, uh, last year was $1 trillion, right? I'm making up the numbers, yeah. right? But with population increase, like it should be 1.2, right? Well, next, you know, like this next year, we didn't have a recession. Yeah. We had $1.2 trillion spending, but we actually made 20% less housing. So it's like your money going out can be the same or more because of all the money being printed and you're getting less and less. Exactly. Less exactly. Your, your purchasing power is much less, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's like, hey, we're not in a recession, but it's like, yeah, but can't go on vacation, can't buy all the stuff, like kind of have to hunker down. Like that's kind of what a recession. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking well, remember, about? Remember during the Great Recession, oh, oh, staycations. I, exactly. Like the, oh, staycations were a thing. Remember yeah, that? But, but then also too, People might then also get laid off of the building industry because you're not doing as much. The manufacturing industry laid off. So like you might have this, oh, we have all these layoffs, but we're not in a recession. We're spending more. Does that matter to the guy that Does or lady matter, la- yeah. laid off? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're not in your we're not in your textbook definition, but that is still the same thing. Exactly. Um Cool. Well, so uh, another really, uh, so Alex and I have talked about this before is like, you know, if you are locally active, if if you're a regionally active architect or builder or whatever, at some point you got to give some kind of pushback to the folks who are making the rules and stuff like that. So that's what we did this week. Um, So Alex and I and our firm, we all, because we do so much work in Boulder County um, that we do a lot of like single family homes in Boulder County, unincorporated, and the 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 planning and approval and building process is difficult. It's already difficult. Well, we just had a big wildfire, so Boulder County Board of Review public uh, held held a public meeting on 2 p.m. Wednesday, April 6th. Al and I made some appearances on there, um, and what they were going, what they what the meeting was about was uh, the agenda item was 
Ignition resistant requirements for construction in wildfire zone two, the eastern half of Boulder County. So if you haven't been to Colorado, the western half, there are mountains. And then the eastern half, it's all plains. Yep. It's just you're on the plains. It looks like any kind of Midwest uh, area. And so <clears throat> basically Ron Flax, the deputy director of Boulder County Community Planning and Permitting, and the chief building official, they're going to, they presented a proposed update to the ignition resistant construction requirements for, for that wild uh, fire zone. And then they asked for feedback from the public. So the first one we're going to tee up because Al stole my thunder. Woo! That's what his name was. Al steals Lance. Uh, Al, Al Thunder Steeler Gore. Yes. Yes. Al, yeah. Al, Al <laughs> Steeler. Al Thunder. Thunder. Steeler. Gore. Al Thunder Steeler Gore. Al Thunder. Uh thief that sounds better al, al thunder, thunder thief. thief isn't that good that's your that's it, your that's your indian name congratulations from an official <laughs> from native, native american, american. american everyone heard it <laughs> thunder thief. oh my god that's pretty al good thunder thief. <laughs> that's pretty good actually i'll have to tell my wife and my kids okay so here's al's clip here we go hi um i don't know how this happened this is alex gore i'm land cycles business partner um I did register to talk, but I'll talk later if, if somehow you can get him on. Let me. Uh, and if not, I can go first and he won't mind. <laughs> he signed up as the second one on the on the current list. So Alex Gore, you said, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, he's also signed on and can have his own time. So you've if you want to go ahead and start, that's fine. Perfect. Thank you, Ron and the boards. Thanks uh, for taking my comments. Uh, just a couple things. I agree with the class A roofing. That's extremely typical. Um, shouldn't be a big issue. Um, as I'm an architect of F9 Productions and we're also a building company here uh, along the front range. Um, as for the eaves, fascia, and soffit, just a quick question because it says the two-inch nominal dimension lumber. So a lot of times on the uh, subfascia it is two inch lumber. Are you talking about the finished fascia and not the subfascia? Um, if that material is supposed to be a thicker material or, or not combustible. Um, and then I would agree with 0.7 uh, just because going over the codes and sometimes clients read codes and you have to argue with them if there's a 0.7 in there. And anything, and as Ron said, anything you can do to make the codes a little bit more clear while you have a chance helps out um, just so there's not those arguments um, or those, let's just say, discussions with the building officials too, which I'm sure they're not pleased to have those discussions either. So uh, clarification and simplification in the language helps a lot. Um, the, my biggest point I want to make is about the exterior siding, and this is kind of the, the last point making a one hour rating from the outside, that does add a significant cost um, doing something like that. Um, and I know that you talked about cost studies. I've been, uh, I've been privy to a lot of cost studies and a lot of times they're not so true. Um, for example, the, the example of 4K for sprinklers. I don't know anyone who's getting the sprinkler system for any sort of house or a townhouse for 4K. I mean, it's gonna be 10 to 15K. Um, in there. And that's just one point of a, you know, a bunch of points. And I bring this up in the context of, I know you guys will be looking at the 2021 codes. Um, I just talked to a builder in the area that says it was going to add significantly to the cost because you have to basically make the whole house electrified. Um, insulation values are going up. 
So each one of these steps adds significant costs. So if these fire mitigations, let's just say only add, let's honestly conservatively 10 to 20 grand, the elect- the 2022 code is going to add 10 to 20 grand and it keeps going up. Obviously inflation and all these things are quite, are adding up significantly. And the point I'm making about that is that uh, while protections are necessary and we should do the right things. Let's not add on to the burden if it is unclear that it's going to help. So for example, the three foot boundary, I would advise about not doing that right now because the buildings spaced apart are going to be three to five foot anyways. It's just going to add another layer that's already taken care of. And until there's a more justifiable reason, it's just going to add more confusion onto the whole process. And the other thing too about the exterior siding, the eaves I agree with everyone are the main cause of fires. Adding this exterior gypsum on the outside adds significant costs, especially in a place like Boulder County where essentially if you're building a big development, it's gonna be incorporated into the city and those are gonna go by the city codes. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm done. Essentially you're, uh, you're doing needle in the haystacks where the needles are basically the fire protection that we're sprinkling in Boulder County. And we're expecting the haystack not to light on fire when it is going to light on fire. Um, and the needles are, are, are not going to stop it from going in, in this sort of situation. Um, so prudent measures also by while clarifying the code um, are my comments. Thank you. Okay. The reason I stole Lance's thunder, thunder thief, is because he had techni- uh, technical difficulties like a boomer that doesn't even know how to hit reply all. So just to defend Al- myself. Lance Boomer Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> I got to come up with a better name. <laughs> uh, I thought that. So, what the, what the, so Al's. I'm so glad that Al did not cut himself short and stuck, stuck it out and got that needle in the haystack analogy yeah put forth and i had to re-explain it to some people in the firm is like essentially what you're doing is you're adding new houses that are now needles that are way more expensive than hay and you're expecting the hay bale not to start on fire like what it's going to the hay bale yeah exactly exactly so eventually i got my crap together and then i uh got my little um my little my three minutes in um, and then the last thing is we have a, one of the board members actually agreed with us, which is not typical. Like I was very surprised about that. So uh, here, here's me with my little three minute um, talk to them. Uh, name is Lance Psycho. Address is 825 Crispin Drive, uh, Unit 100 in Longmont. I am a, a architect, uh, owner of F9 Productions, co-owner, um, builder, and, and a developer. Uh, I, I, first of all, I just want to say thanks for um, taking our, our comments here and everything. And uh, also, I'm, I'm actually pleasantly surprised by some of the recommendations. To be honest with you, what, one of the things I was expecting, as somebody who designs and builds and also designed and built their own home in Boulder County, um, I know I know exactly what the process is like. I, I have my grudges about it, and I think to speak about one of the other things that the other speaker says is we already have created an elitist um, area in Boulder County. Like it is what it is. Let's just call a spade a spade. So while we're calling spades spades, um, the recommendation for the class A fire rated uh, roofs, that's an easy one. Bravo to that one. Um, But what I was really worried about was that, and I'm glad you guys didn't do it. And I would encourage you further to not do it is 
try to do like one hour or two hour exterior rated walls where there's gypsum on both sides. So if that was ever a thought, please just nix the thought further from any discussions because that is going to add even more to the elitism and exclusion of middle to lower class people even being able to afford anything in Boulder County um, at all. Uh, speaking of def defensible spaces, um, I'm also, I, I think the three foot space is a good idea, but one of the things that we hear every single year in Colorado is water, water, water. We're all worried about water and rightly so, right? So why aren't we encouraging more xeriscaping or at least mandating it from here on out? Like, what, what is the issue with that? It would do several things. It would solve, it would help with the water problem because if, if we xeriscape, then all of a sudden we're using much, much less water in our landscapes. That's what's around my house. It's, it's, the, it's the ethical and moral thing to do when we live in it, basically a desert on the, on the plains. Um, and then it helps with the defensible space because all of a sudden your whole yard becomes defensible space. Um, the other thing too is <clears throat> that uh, uh, the open space. So if the last thing here would be if we're calling spades a spade and we are and I'm, I'm just I'm saying that this is an elitist county as it is, and it's very unaffordable for people. Then, and part of it is because of this open space and the half a million acres that Boulder County and the and the other government entities have purchased, thus restricting the supply of land that you can develop on. Fine, like the, the open space isn't going anywhere. It's here to stay. People, once we have it, just like any other program, we're not going to take it away from the people. Why aren't we doing prescribed burns? And why aren't we why aren't we mowing it more often? Because it is non it is not even arguable point counterpoint that the open space is contributing to the fuel for these fires. Thank you for your time. Yeehaw! Awesome. I I didn't hear that because I got off. It, it's hard for me to listen to these meetings. It it really <laughs> takes a lot for me. I I uh, it is difficult for my whole. He he's got he takes a lot of thunder, but. Uh, <sighs> Can't take other people's thunder. So, nope. uh, which is totally, yeah. So I did want your reaction because you didn't, which is fine. I totally get it. Um, I thought it was going to be crazier. No, it was, that was as crazy as I could get. Yeah. Uh, within three minutes. I mean, yeah. you only get three minutes, so you got to get it out and you can, it, it, this is kind of a, one of the, I think a, a hopefully if you guys, you've, you guys have heard me and Al speak multiple times of city councils and stuff like that through the, via this podcast. And my, uh, one more tip I just want to re reiterate to everybody is like, Think about your three minutes that you get in th in thirds. So one minute, one minute, one minute. You have one point to bring up in each third, and that's all you get. Like that's great analogy, don't you think? Great. Yeah. So then here's a one of the board members actually agreeing with us uh, to kind of wrap this segment up. Steve Titus, board member. Um, I, I thought Lance and his business partner made some made some good points. Um, I, I'm a I'm a builder as well and um the the cost of of um adding a one hour rating to the exterior walls of every single building really is uh from a complexity standpoint it's difficult from just the cost of all that extra material um and i think that there are um, less expensive methods just using materials that are fire retardants like uh, hardy board and uh, brick or even stucco all of those materials by themselves uh, go a long way toward being fire retardant without adding uh, 
the cost of, um, of you know five eight inch drywall on the exterior of an entire building. Um, I mean, I can understand adding it in areas, uh, building eaves, where they're more prone to to collect flame, but um, but I, I really struggle with with making that a requirement. Uh, and in addition, his comment about um, the all of the open space, uh, better mowing, better fire mitigation on open space. Uh, is something that just really doesn't happen that much. And Boulder has in, invested an enormous amount of money in purchasing open space. And, uh, and it's, it was all of this open space that brought fire to the communities. And um, I, I think his comments were, were right on. So there you go. Can you believe it? Can you honestly believe it? Yeah, that was good. That was good. Very, very good. Uh, a point, the, the point that I would make is that if you are in any industry where the government regulates you, but especially architecture and building, is we are in Which is a highly crisis. regulated. Jesus, I, I've, I've seen this comment on social media recently, like, it's just a free-for-all. No, my God, the, the amount of codes is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we are in an existential crisis. And I'll make this point is because there is no feedback loop to basically in the government, uh, I forgot what I was talking to you at one time where it's like you make a rule and it counteracts another rule and it makes it so like you can't do something. Um, so essentially like, hey, you have lots that are buildable lots, but they say you can't have an entrance this close to another entrance. If that rule is wider than a buildable lot, you literally like have to go through a process to get special permission yeah. to do that, right? Um the word is either counterproductive or um, whatever whatever that word is, is essentially is that if you have the fire department making these rules, building department making these rules, uh, planning department making these contradictory. rules. Contradictory. Contradictory rules, right? And then think about this too. A lot of people do understand setbacks, right? Yeah. But they don't understand, okay, landscape buffers. And then let's say you're doing a big plan and you didn't know about this meeting. And also now there's a fire setback and let's say it's 10 foot. Let's say they make it 10 foot because it's better for fire. And let's say, hey, fire doesn't review the plans until it gets through the planning department. What if you made a development that had five foot separations and all of a sudden everything you designed is wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Think about the time, money, cost in redoing some projects like that. And that's one small step of all these things that they're adding on. And the one point I was trying to make with that three foot buffer is... You already have three foot, like you either have zero or five foot setbacks. Like you don't really have three foot. So like you're already kind of doing it right. Yeah. And they're just kind of mitigating what you can put in there. But what I'm getting at is that you're adding another layer that's unnecessary until you define and, it. And they and literally it'll be said, confusing. Like you said, it'll be confusing to people. Yep. Like, can I build within three foot or let's say, because now it says that other one says I can't build until five foot. And what I'm getting at, why I think this is such an existential crisis is, is we've already seen prices gone up and you can say, hey, it's all supply chain. It's all uh, inflation. inflation. You, sure. Some of that too. In San Francisco, you cannot build an affordable unit, which is not high end, an affordable unit for less than $800,000. And it's not all the land costs. And I'm using this to prove my point. People will be like, yeah, that's San Francisco. That's a big city, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. There's a trend that everything is going that way unless you fight it. You could literally be in Colorado and because of rules in 10 years, maybe this will be a callback. 
you cannot build an affordable unit for under five hundred to seven hundred thousand. Well, the average and, and and why it's so existential is because a lot of people think, hey, it's no big deal. They just got to pay us architects, and we got to design it, and we get more fees. No big deal, right, Lance? Yeah. Uh, some manufacturer that makes uh, uh fire sprinklers or gypsum boards, they call them up. Hey, would this be better if you to make buildings not burn down if everything had a sprinkler and everything had fire resistant stuff? They go, oh, absolutely. People that are concerned about it, make it happen. And it's all short-term, short-term yeah. thinking. What happens in 10 years when everything's like that and our business goes down by half because no one can afford it? Exactly. You have to think it's, long-term. It's going to hit a tipping point. Like yes. That. Yeah. And and to think that it can't go that way is untrue because it has gone that way. 100%. It has. So he mentions 800000 and I just pulled up. I won't show this on the YouTube feed, but huge prices westward three days ago. It's a Denver publication. Huge prices increased for Denver homes, average nearly 800K. Yep. <laughs> now, that's not the affordable part of it. That's the average house, but still the point remains. Would it shock you? It wouldn't even shock you if in 10 years, in 2030, we looked up and there was multiple articles about, hey, all these affordable housings are costing 700K to build. Yeah, it wouldn't it, even it, shock it, it, you. No, there's nothing about it that would shock me. Yep. Um, okay. Looks like we've got some IRC talk, Al. Uh, oh yeah. Hey, uh, j actually right on this point. Perfect. Someone on our staff was talking to a builder that was rebuilding in Louisville, which Lu is where the fire, the big, the Marshall fire that made national news burned all those houses. And we're doing two of them right now. Yep. Um, and they basically said that, if you have to apply to the 2021 code, and I know this is just one example, right, from one person who's a real builder in our area. Louisville is not Boulder. It is also not Denver. It's also not San Francisco. But listen to this. He said, it will increase. It has increased his prices $50 a square foot. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? $50 a square foot. This is why. <clears throat> Now you have to do all the exterior insulation. Yeah, you got to do one inch of exterior insulation on the outside for the 2021 yep. codes. And normally insulation is cheap. That that stuff is more expensive and you have to fasten it different, right? Um, two, the whole house has to be wired. This is a big one. To be fully electric in the future. Not that it has to be right now. What that means is that most houses can't just have one 200 amp surface. They have to have two 200 amp surface. So you need two of those, two breaker boxes. So you're doubling the, you're doubling the yep, service. Yep. Um, and then basically so in, uh, in 20, I, I, I don't think about this. Oh, he says already because of all of these other things in a 2018 house in Louisville is about $450 a square foot. I've been telling people 300. I'm terrible. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So if you don't know like, so now you add up, that the the new code surfaces all just you know for the right reasons everything that uh, the road to hell is led uh, is paved with good intentions right all this fire stuff all planning everyone in planning hey the police department has to look at your development the fire department has it like they're all good intentions I'm saying that but if someone doesn't say if someone doesn't put a stand to start reducing it. All these good intentions will will literally lead to housing hell. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Let's go to um, heaven with a little A-R-E Jeopardy. Bring down the team. Question 
Question uno. What can falsely activate a fire alarm? This is in, t- t- in, a, in a house. Is it A, construction dust, B, a fire, C, a power outage, or D, A, and C? A, construction dust, B, a fire, C, a power outage, or D, A, and C? Is this our, our main group? Oh, and? Yep. D, 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 A. Dust is true, but also a power outage is also true. A fire would not be false. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This one. This one, you just need to write the answer. Okay. I'm not, you're not doing A, B, C, or D. Right. You're writing the an- answer. What is the thickness difference between a 15, 30 second roof sheathing and a 7 16th wood siding, wood sheathing siding. What is the thickness difference between a 15 32nd roof sheathing and a 7 16th wood sheathing? Okay, you're supposed to write it down. You're supposed to write it down, yep. Right? Oh. Some people hate guessing. Yeah. Okay, pull them up. One thirty second. I can't read that far. One sixty. <laughs> just got one thirty second. One thirty second of an inch. I. That's probably not an ARE question, but I just thought everyone Why should not? know. If you haven't done the math, that's literally what it is. I'm proud you didn't write anything dyslexic. I was afraid of that. Good job. When she said one sixteenth, I was like, wait, nah. She's I know right. exactly. Uh, number three, how is retainage used in construction billing and payments? Is it A, retainage is an upfront payment to ensure owner compliance with the contract? B, retainage is a prepaid retainer for architects during the design phase? C, retainage is part of the contract price held back until the work is substantially complete? Or D, retainage is a prepayment by the owner for materials? Do you, Does anybody need to repeat? <laughs> How is retainage using construction billing and payments? A, retainage is an upfront payment to ensure owner compliance with the contract. B, retainage is a pay- prepaid retainer for architects during the design phase. C, retainage is part of the contract price held back until the work is substantially complete. Or D, retainage is a prepayment by the owner for materials. What do we got? A, B, C, C. The correct answer is C. Retaining, like retaining water, retaining what, money. Uh, what we got for scores? Two, two, two. Whoa. What was the answer? <laughs> Retainage is part of the contract price held back until the work is substantially yeah. complete. All right, number four for the win, hopefully. Uh, the critical path method calculates the what amount of time that all planned activities will take over the course of a project to be completed. Is it A, longest, B, shortest, C, earliest, D, least? The critical path method calculates the what amount of time that all planned activities will take over the course of a project to be completed. Is it A, longest, B, shortest, C, earliest, or D, least? 
Mm. All right, we got B, C. Reeves, what do you got? She doesn't say a know. letter. Say a letter. D. Am I? The correct answer is A. The longest. Yeah. So how many do we have a tie? We have a tie. Okay. Who's reading? All right. First one to answer wins. Everyone else gets a try after that. First one to answer. Correctly. Correctly. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Okay. Four options here. Which type of sprinkler system would be appropriate to specify at a loading dock in Alaska? Is it a deluge system, a pre-action system, a dry pipe system, or a wet pipe system? You didn't write it. Write it. I gotta write it. Jason got it. All right. Jason, where are we going to eat? <laughs> wow! Great. Wherever he came up with that. <laughs> That's all I have. Lance, take us out. Uh, if you like this episode, please share with a friend, a colleague, your mother, of course. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment. We'll see you next week.